0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Self-Interrupted, the top 20 podcast show in the Philippines. No, thank you so much to the Philippine listeners. I really appreciate it. Blessed be. I'm your host, Kit Costello, and today we have a different kind of episode. Today is the first installment of the Self-Interrupted best of series. So this episode marks the 12th episode of self-interrupted. That means there's been three months of self-interrupted. Everyone scream. Now, I thought I wanted to do something special. So I thought that I would start off the best of series. This series is just going to be some of my favorite stories that I've told in this podcast. Ones that sometimes I may go back and listen to and giggle to. No, sometimes I do. Sometimes you may hear me in my bedroom giggling to self-interrupted 2023 Kit Costello. I haven't got a story from each episode because I do want to do these in the future they're not going to be a regular thing because I like best of episodes of like a series but I don't like them regularly sometimes I'm like mama you have to be doing episodes of your show to get best ofs you know so maybe like every 10 episodes I could do a best of and just share some of my favorite moments from past episodes and that's what we're doing today so the first story that we are sharing today is from the sophomore episode of self-interrupted episode 2 which is entitled I went to an all-boys catholic rugby school. The story is about me being forced to sing in a talent competition. Please enjoy. In year seven, I was taking singing lessons because famous thing am like Mariana Grande. I was leaving music and I guess the music teacher had caught wind of the fact that I was now an iconic singer. Mm-hmm. I walk out of the room and he says, so Kit, what are you going to perform at the talent competition? And I said, perform? Girl, I'm sitting back and I'm relaxing. I'm watching the children perform. Like this is my day off. And he was like, well, no, you do singing lessons, right? And I said, yes, yes, I do. And he said, well, it's compulsory that you have to be part of this talent competition. And I said, mm-hmm, okay, um, I'm gonna pass. I wanna let you know that this went on for a good 20 minutes. It was 20 minutes of me saying no, him saying you have to, and just kind of going back and forth and him kind of blabbering on about this is an experience that I have to go through, etc. It came to the end of the conversation and I said, well, I'm just not going to do it. I don't really feel confident enough to do that. And I was leaving the room and he said, well, if you don't do it, I'm going to give you a detention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it was so bad. Like, that was literally... That was the worst thing he could have said to me. I was in year seven. Reminder. Reminder, I was in year seven. Getting a detention in year seven was, like, the worst thing that could have happened. I thought that would go on my criminal record, bitch. Like, this is serious. So I said, oh, shit. He's put out the detention card. As if I'm doing anything wrong, just trying to keep my pride. Anyway, I crumble and I say, okay, what am I singing? I choose to sing Rather Be by Jess Glynn. And no, I don't want to hear any laughter from the crowd, thank you very much. Because it was the song of the summer. No, it was. The day comes around and I'm screaming at this point. The music teacher comes into one of my lessons throughout the day and says, Kit, can you meet me in the assembly hall at lunchtime? And I was like, Christ, what's going on here? You know, lunchtime rolls up. I'm now in the assembly hall like i meant to be because I'm following orders. Yeah, I'm in year seven, a reminder. If this was year 11, I would not have arrived. I would have been outside eating lunch. The assembly hall was right next to the lunch hall but it was divided by those doors that slide across. So you couldn't see into the assembly hall, but mama, you could hear, like I could hear the children eating lunch. They were eating. I get into the assembly hall and I see my music teacher standing on the stage. Now, bear in mind, straight after lunch is fifth period and I'm gonna be singing. So I needed this time to like, you know, prepare myself for this moment. And he's taken it away from me to practice. And not only just practice singing, he pulled out a microphone, a microphone attached to the speakers, the surround sound speakers in the hall, which you could hear in the dining room. So he calls me up on stage and I'm like, God, I feel like I'm in bloody Hunger Games and I've been called up by my district. So I get up on stage and I'm like, oh, I'm not gonna sing into the microphone. And he said, yes, you are. You need to practice. I said, go practice what? I'm just singing. And I was like, no, I feel too nervous. I don't want people to hear me, blah, blah, blah. And he then says, what's the worst that could happen? They realize it's you singing. He gets the microphone, puts it to his mouth and says, this is Kit Costello singing Rather Be by Clean Bandit. It's loud. Everyone in the dining hall who is listening can now hear that it's gonna be me singing. I can't remember if I sung on the microphone. I I, I wouldn't think that I would have, but I think I just practiced like a verse with him. Anyway, fifth period rolls around. It's now time for me to go up to sing. There are children before me, there are children after me, I'm somewhere placed in the middle. Quite a good spot because, you know, I'm not going first, I'm not going last. The track started playing. DJ, hit the track. No, the track started playing and everyone started cheering because reminder, this is the song of the summer. So instantly, now there's pressure to this. I need to get this completely correct. Because the children love the song, apparently. So I start singing the song. I'm singing, I'm singing, I'm singing. And then I get a random standing ovation. And then the next day, the results come in. And I've won! I won the talent competition for my year! I guess what my music teacher was saying was correct. That this is an experience that I would miss out on. If anything, I'm talking about it right now on my podcast. And it's kind of funny. Because it's Kit Law. No, it is. He knew that it had to be added to the law book. However, the way that he went about it was completely wrong. You shouldn't force your students to sing with a bloody detention threat. So in conclusion, I would say I'm happy I did it. But yeah, I won a singing competition. No, I didn't. I won a talent competition. I do love that story. I think it's so funny. But honestly, sometimes I listen to it and I'm like, I can't believe that my teacher made me sing in front of year seven. I could have been bullied for the rest of my school life. Can you imagine? Luckily I didn't. Luckily, of course, Kit Costello is always gonna pull through, you know? She's gonna win. And I did, no, it's true. Now, the second story that I have for you is from episode five entitled, Why I Hate Clubbing. And it's my 12-point system as to why I don't enjoy the idea of going out to clubs. So get into it and baby, do take notes because there will be a comprehension test at the end of this episode. I actually have 12 points here that I'm going to talk about. But I just want to quick fire go through them first, and then we'll go back to each individual one, and I'll elaborate on why it's just, it goes towards the reasoning I don't want to go out to a club. So number one, people. Number two, drunk people. Number three, annoying drunk people. Number four, it's late. Number five, it's too hot. Number six, awkward dancing. Number seven, bad music. Number eight, people trying to make moves. Number nine, hot people. Number 10, overpriced drinks. Number 11, wing, And number 12, insecure. We got deep with the last one, no we did. So let's take it back to number one, people. People in general, okay? The overcrowding of clubs, it's crazy. Like, it's insane. You think I want to be spending my Saturday night literally like elbow to elbow with random people around my age in a club? Absolutely not. Number two, second point, drunk people. Oh my God, don't get me started. Drunk people for me, there's like, there's, I feel like there's a spectrum of drunk people, you know, cause life is a spectrum. There's kind of fun drunk people, which, Also, if someone says that they're a fun drunk, run a mile, bitch, because you know that they're just gonna be screaming, crying. They're like, I'm a fun drunk, and then they run out in the middle of the road and get hit by a car. Like, that's not a fun drunk. I'm sitting in A&E with you now for eight hours. Like, that's not fun for me. So if someone says that they're a fun drunk, no, babe, you're classified as an annoying drunk to me. I sound like such a killjoy right now, or a joy kill, whatever. I don't mind being around some drunk people, but you guys know the drunk people I'm talking about. I'm not talking tipsy. Tipsy, mama, that's fine. You enjoy your night. I'm talking drunk. Like, bitch, you're paralytic. You are black out. You don't know your wrist from your ankle. This is the kind of drunk person I'm talking about. And this is the annoying drunk. The kind of annoying drunk that is trying to like also pick a fight. Like, oh my God, that's so bad for me. And you have to kind of like parent them, especially cause, oh, famously, I don't drink. I didn't say this. Another major reason as to why I don't like going out. I don't drink alcohol. I may have a glass of wine here and there with girlies when I'm having a games night, but like, I'm not about to get paralytic in the middle of London. Point number four is just the lateness. The idea of like leaving my house at 11 p.m. Dramatic pause. I have to scream. I kind of struggle to leave the house after eight o'clock. When I say leave the house, most of the time if I'm leaving that late, I'm going to my friend's apartment. Like, I'm not leaving the house to go out at 8pm. I like having a cup of tea while watching Gilmore Girls. Like, that's my vibe, personally. If I'm going out, I'm going straight directly to my friend's apartment and we're doing exactly what I said, but at their apartment. And we're just cozy, comforting, cocooning. That's what we're doing. That's what the girls are doing. So the lateness is just not the vibe. And then I feel very insecure when it's late because point one to three people, drunk people, annoying people, mama, they're out on the town, they're on the tube, they're on the train. So I don't feel safe, first of all more serious, I don't feel safe when there's drunk people, especially drunk men. So I like to stay guarded when it's late and I like to just stay by myself when it's late. And I think that's fair enough. Number five, it's too hot. Mm Mm-hmm, yeah. Clubs, I'm being incredibly serious when I say this, mama, Stop investing in lighting and invest in some AC. Invest in the air conditioning, babe. If I'm in a club and I am sweating by standing still, there's something wrong. And I don't care how many hundreds of people are jumping up and down, Mm -mm. it shouldn't make a difference. I don't want to feel sweaty, I don't want to feel clammy at a club. Number six, awkward dancing. The awkward dancing, I didn't know it was a thing, I didn't know it was a thing you guys, I thought it was something in movies. Okay let me talk about it, the fist pump. God, the fist pump. They're putting the fist in the air and pumping it. Again, I'm not judging the children that do it. It's me. It's, it's a personal thing for me. Whenever I'm doing that, all I could see and all I could think about was me looking at myself doing that. And also you're cramped. So you can't like, you can't, really move that much. You're just trying to like vibe and then like if you're there with someone it could be kind of awkward because you can't really communicate which brings us on to point seven which is bad music. Now bad music can also contribute to the volume of the music which brings me back to the point of talking and communicating with that person. You can't but you're screaming, you're screaming, you're screaming into their ear. You're not communicating with the person, you're fist bumping to bad music. Now bad music, I don't mean like b-sides of an album. I mean, categorically bad remixes of perfectly good songs. If those songs debuted at the top 10 of the Billboard Hot 100, why are we remixing it? Why are we remixing Woman by Doja Cat? It's unnecessary, I think it's a cheap thrill. You're remixing Break Free by Ariana Grande? That was produced by Zed, one of the best DJs of this generation. I don't know if he's a DJ actually, not me like bringing in the music history and the music lore, but like he is. If you're gonna remix something, remix something that's sad. Like I Have Nothing by Whitney Houston, that would be a gag if that was remixed because it's not a song that people can dance to, but it's a song that people know. If you're remixing a song that people dance to and you make it a worse song to dance to, mama, you failed your job. And quite frankly, you're lazy at your job because you're remixing a song that doesn't need remixing because it's a song that people dance to. So if I'm at the club and I hear any kind of song that's just like in the pop charts being remixed, I'm already annoyed. Number eight is people trying to make moves. By make moves, I mean people trying to flirt with me. I'm an awkward person, okay? So if you're the point of number nine and you're a hot person and you're trying to be point eight making moves, I'm gonna be screaming and crying. Anyone that tries to make moves on me, please, Mama, leave the vicinity. I feel incredibly awkward. I'm not gonna be able to like flirt back with you. First of all, bringing it back to 0.7, bad music, loud music. You're trying to make moves with someone that can't hear you. You're coming this close to my ear and you're screaming, hey, you look really cool. Like bitch, that's a move in and of itself because you're literally centimeters away from my face. You may as well practically put your tongue down my throat. It's so bizarre. Number 10, overpriced drinks. I'm not like a tight person. I understand that like, you're gonna have to up the drink price, but when I'm paying 10 pound for a lemonade, yeah, no, it's bad. Okay, 10 pound is probably a bit too much, but like five pound, you're making me pay five pound For a lemonade? go. I could get, what, four bottles of lemonade? Easily for £5. And you're giving me half a pint of lemonade for £5? Don't make me scream right now. Number 11 is queuing. I've seen queues for nightclubs last for hours. You guys, that's dedication. You know what? I was about to say do something else with your night. But listen, if you are dedicated enough, I hope you have an incredible night. And I hope that everyone that goes out to a club has an incredible night. But me personally, I'm not gonna have an incredible night when I'm going out clubbing, okay? No, it's serious. Because I'm what? I'm point number 12, I'm insecure. And that that ties everything, all of these points, it all comes back to the point that I'm insecure. Because it's late, I'm vulnerable. But then there's drunk people, so I'm insecure about what they're gonna say. Because a drunk person is like a child that just says anything that they want. Like, the filter's gone. I'm also insecure because it's too hot, like I said in point five. So I'm now sweating. I have to think previously to going out, I have to wear black. If I'm wearing gray, Christ! The sweat patches, it's gonna be real! Don't even get me started about clubbing in the height of summer, I couldn't imagine it. Clubbing in 30 degree heat? You can miss me with that, mama, that's a pit of hell. But in general, those are my 12 points as to why. I just don't like the idea of clubbing. Okay, let me tell you, I think those points are completely valid and fair. No, I do and I still stand by them. The 12-point system is always gonna reign true. Now, moving on to episode six, entitled My Experience at Drama School. Now, this episode, you guys, this is one of my favorite episodes of this podcast I've ever done. I think it's so funny, and I always go back and listen to it if I need a little bit of a dopamine hit. I need it, I'm serious. This episode, I think is so funny because I just rip my younger self to shreds. The way when I was younger, I thought I was the next, Oscar-winning artist when I was 10 years old, but 20-year-old me was ripping 10-year-old me to shreds, saying I had no talent in this episode. It was crazy, but the clip in this episode that I loved was me talking about the shows that I have been in, so enjoy that. The shows that we did when I was at drama school were as follows. We did The Jungle Book, We did Alice in Wonderland, we did Snow White, we did Peter Pan, we did Camp Rock, and we did Bugsy Malone. And we also did this, like, Legends of Pop, which was just a whole other thing in and of itself. But I want to get into each one individually and just give some lore about each show. I remember we did The Jungle Book, and I was very young. It was probably in my eight-year-old era, okay? And I played a monkey. Yeah, whatever. I was very much just, like, ensemble. I wasn't part of the main crew. I wasn't getting, like lines. At all, really. Maybe I said one or two to appease the parents. But I wasn't out here with dialogues, like in Macbeth or something. I was very much saying, like, I'm a monkey. And then I just leave. I remember, the one thing I remember from Jungle Book is that there was a scene where we had to pinch a snake. I don't know. I don't know. Don't ask me. I don't know what was going on. But I remember the monkeys had to, like, come in out of nowhere and pinch up this snake. The teachers would say, don't actually pinch him. He's a child, don't pinch the snake. Bitch, I was pinching. Sorry, sorry. I hate to be like a bad kid. I think it's cause I had a crush on him probably and he was older. So I was like, that's my man and I need to get his attention. So I was pinching him. Like when the teacher says you have to pinch this person we're gonna pinch the person, you know? It's giving Simon says. If Simon says to do something, you do what Simon says. Moving on to Alice in Wonderland, I played a card. Don't laugh. Why are you laughing? Stop laughing, bitch. I have the microphone. I'm talking right now. I played a card. What do I remember about this show? Mm, I'm happy you asked. I remember in this show, I forgot my lines because I had so fucking many of them. I'm kidding. I literally had like a couple and what did I do? I forgot them. Ugh, it was so bad for me. I remember standing on stage and we had like a, a cue to like run forward when someone said something. This person said their thing. We didn't run forward. So the person on the side of the stage had to prompt us to run forward. They said, run forward, bitch. I said, okay. I start running. Everyone's silent. I'm like, why is no one speaking? Like, come on, children. Like, let's get it together. I'm the one that's meant to be speaking. I haven't said my line. So I'm looking, I said, bitch, I don't remember my line. So the prompter's basically mouthing every word. I'm looking at her, looking at the audience, looking at her, saying the word, looking back at her, saying the other word. I don't really remember being embarrassed. I think I was just like, yeah, like this is just my origin story. Like you guys will all say, I remember watching Kick Costello play a card for getting their lines. And now they're an Oscar winner, Grammy winner, Tony winner, Golden Globe winner. They're an EGOT and they have an Emmy they're now an ego actor. And I was there to witness it all from the beginning. That's what I think I was thinking. But in their heads, they're probably like, I just want to go home. Because one thing about this actually, which always made me laugh, I will get into it later. And you will just see a running theme throughout these shows is that I flop in each one. I'm not doing well. I'm going to be honest. Like it wasn't my proudest moment being in these shows. But trust and believe when I was in them, I genuinely thought it was Oscar nomination season. I was like, these are my roles. And I take these very seriously. I have DVDs of each of the shows that I was in. And recently, a couple of years ago, I I watched them back. The memories that you have when you're younger, you're thinking like, yeah, I slayed in that role. Like it was fun. I had a good time. And everyone was there to see me. I had a good few lines. I watched these DVDs back. I'm doing nothing. I'm speaking incredibly silently. There's no charisma behind the way that I'm speaking. I'm stuttering, I'm shaking, I'm sweating. I'm forgetting my lines. But I remember coming out of those shows being like, oh bitch, yeah, I'm taking it. I'm sweeping this season. But honestly, kind of cute. It's the naivete that I had, which is just like really cute. But that's just like the childness, the childish confidence that kind of goes away once you get a bit older, you know? So I think sometimes going into your inner child and just being unapologetic, being like, yeah, I'm dressed as a card right now in Alice in Wonderland. I'm forgetting every single one of my lines. I don't know where I am on stage. I don't know what part of the play that we're doing, but I'm having a good time. So you guys are gonna have a good time too. Capiche? There was this one specific girl in my drama school who would just get all the main parts. I don't know if she was doing some backhand deal where she would just get them all. Bestie, I was annoyed. I was like, I should be playing Snow White, what the fuck? I mean, I would be now, bitch, I have the bob. We don't even need wigs anymore. This girl would just get all of the parts. Was she great at acting? Yeah. Was she remembering all her lines? Yeah. Did I remember all my lines? No. Did I think that I should have had her parts? Yes, 100%, I was delusional. But anyway, I wasn't expecting to get Snow White, but I was expecting to get one of the drag queens. Yeah, you heard that right. There were two drag queens, very progressive for my drama school at this time. Ripple's Drag Race was not mainstream at this point, okay? You need to remember that. So there were two drag queens and I obviously auditioned for one. This is serious. This could be my breakout role as a supporting actor. So obviously I auditioned to be a drag queen. Who gets it? The straight man. Of course. If anyone's going to take it, of course a straight man's going to take it. So I'm fuming at this point. Who do I get given? I get given Neville, a written in character. Someone that doesn't even exist in SWCU, the Snow White Cinematic Universe a character they've made up, simply made up. Who is Neville? I hear you cry. Neville was the creator of the magic mirror. Oh my gosh, one thing about Neville is that he did not shut up and that was kind of a character flaw of his. Neville was also incredibly smart. Not me speaking about him like he's my friend. Neville's smart, Neville's cute, like... Neville's kind of a girly girl, like he's my best friend. No, but Neville was smart. So he was using big words, is what I'm trying to say. Now, when you're trying to remember big words, big pieces of dialogue where... Neville, this bitch is just talking about how he's perfected this magic mirror. And it's honestly like a monologue, okay? This is serious. I really specifically remember doing this show and it was really hot in the theater. And I was wearing four layers. I was wearing a vest. I was wearing a top. I was wearing a jumper, like a thin jumper, and then I was wearing a cardigan over that. They were really trying to, like, make Neville look like a geek. But do you need two cardigans to do so? Like, am I that bad at acting that I can't portray a geek, so you need to give me two cardigans? Like, what's going on? Honestly, that's quite a lot of shows. Let's just call it what it is. Like... I was booked and blessed at the age of 10. Even if it was ensemble, like, bitch, I was still there. Like, let's be clear. Now, another one of my favorite episodes was episode seven, entitled London Fashion Week, where I took you guys through my London College of Fashion runway experience. And if you listen to this episode, you would know that it was a completely hectic, time. I talked about my castings, I talked about the London College of Fashion show experience, and it was just crazy. But this clip is me talking about me finding out I had nine outfits and eight quick changes in this show, and just talking about that whole experience. So please enjoy. My dresser passes me my first look, and it's a look that I haven't fitted for, and I'm like, oh no, this isn't my look. So they go up and talk to someone, and then someone comes up to me and they're like, no, these are all of your looks on this rail. I count the looks. There are nine. And I say to them, I say, there are nine looks here, bestie. This is not normal. And I get confirmation that I have eight quick changes and nine looks throughout the show. You guys. Oh my gosh, there was part of me that was so excited because nine looks, that's such an honor. But there was also part of me that was incredibly scared because not only have I not worn what, like, what's nine takeaway three? Shut up. Stop screaming and laughing at me. Six? Seven, eight, nine, yeah, six. Yeah, I got it at the end. Not only have I not worn six of these looks, I also don't know how quick I can change in and out of them, which is why again, I have the dresser. So I get into my first look and the crazy thing is for this rehearsal, we're doing it in front of, like I said, friends and family. A rehearsal walk is normally in front of no one, bestie. It's on it's in front of the director of the show. But this is not a rehearsal. This is the this is the real deal. I'm screaming. I get into the first look, which is literally it's very Balenciaga-esque, and it's just like this black look that goes all the way down its dress, and it has like a hoop around the end, which was so useful because the fabric just attached to the hoop that I could kick while I was walking, so it's easy for me to walk. Because I needed that hoop. I could not see anything. I had a mask over my head. It, I couldn't see anything through it. I screamed. Now, backstage, they're like, this is the dress rehearsal, and I look on the monitors, and I'm like, there are people in the audience. They're like, yeah, that's the friends and family, and I'm like, god, this isn't a rehearsal show. This is a show. This is just not the press show yet. I haven't worn any of these looks. I don't know how quick the quick changes are, and I'm, like, straight in at the deep end. For reference, a lot of the other models were wearing, like, six outfits. They had about five quick changes. There was a small group of us, maybe, like, four of us I had nine. So, I walk, I'm walking, I'm walking, I'm walking, and it's fine. The first look's done. We're told when we get off stage, we have to run. The out is, you walk the runway, you just walk down it. We weren't walking back up, which was so incredible. I love that. I don't like walking back up a runway. It's awkward, I'm gonna be real. Turning around on a runway awkward. I don't know why, there's something awkward about it. So I just walked down once, and then you leave stage left. You'd leave, and then you'd run back to backstage. And I ran back to backstage, my dresser was there, and I had to get into my next look. The next look was the white look, which I was kind of dreading wearing. Because, reminder, this is the one that I could not walk in. We get it on, and it's stressful. There's about four people that are dressing me now, getting me out of my first look, which was skin tight, into my next look that was just tight in general, because it has corsets, it had these trousers that were like full of fabric, these shoes that were custom that didn't fit me necessarily. Now, I don't know where I got all this adrenaline from, because I couldn't walk in these looks, but I was sprinting in them, I was sprinting from my dressing rail to the backstage. Now, what happens at a show is that there's a lineup, So there's a lineup of the way the looks are. The first time I walked out, I was wearing the black look and I was in the lineup. Now the lineup doesn't necessarily mean that you're gonna be at the back. When I was in the white look, I just made it to the lineup where I was just about to go on. During this like hour and a half show, I was just running. I was very, very thirsty. I'm gonna be honest. I'm in this look and I'm walking in it. So like I said, this is the one with excess fabric and I'm slipping. In the rehearsal, I was slipping. It's very hard to walk in, and I made a TikTok about this. Do not judge models on their walk at runway, especially if they're wearing, like, a ridiculous outfit like I was. Was it a beautiful garment? Yes, it was stunning. Was it incredibly hard to walk in? Oh my god, it was insane. It was crazy. The shoes didn't fit me. I was slipping on all of the fabric. I wasn't slipping dramatically, but I could feel that I was slipping. I don't think it was showing. I was, like, skidding forward. It was really scary, because I was like, I'm gonna fall over. You know it's not good when you're thinking halfway down the runway, how do I recover when I fall over? What am I gonna do? How am I gonna slay? Anyway, luckily I don't fall over, and then I'm running. Again, I'm running in this look that I could barely walk in a couple of seconds ago, back to my rail, to change into my next look. What was my next look? My next look was a very simple one, which was very slay. It was just a dress with flats, I know, I was walking without heels. It was a nice change from all that fabric that I was wearing last time. So I walked that one, it's pretty simple. I run back to my rail. The next look I have is another simple look. Oh my gosh, it was so good for me at this point. At this point. This look was just like jeans and a denim jacket, but I was wearing this massive headpiece that I could see through. I could, there was a hole in it. Now, what I loved about this headpiece is that I I could people watch in the audience. I was looking through the audience, it was great. So that look was just like all black, a massive headpiece. And what I loved about it was that I was incognito Bitches didn't know it was me. I could have done anything on that runway and no one knew it was me, it was great. The look after this one was the telephone wire jumpsuit, which is incredibly hard to wear. And a little bit of context, a little bit of lore, is that the day of, I got told that I was wearing a massive headpiece as well. So I went from headpiece to headpiece. Now this headpiece I was wearing for the telephone wire look was incredibly heavy, and that was just balancing on my head. It was massive, but not only was this look already hard to walk in in and of itself, I then had this massive headpiece that was kind of like making me want to fall over backwards. This is what I mean when I say don't judge models walks, because you just don't know what they're going through. Because they're trying to make it look as effortless as they can, but they're literally wearing garments that may be way more than them. It's a workout, I'm going to be real. But this look, again, it was one of the ones where I was like, I don't care how I look, I just want to walk this runway. Sometimes I get nightmares. I'm gonna be real, let me be honest with you, that story is so crazy and it's a great icebreaker, especially if I'm like at a show or a shoot. I'm always like, oh yeah, I did London Fashion Week and it was like the most insane experience. I had eight quick changes in a show and everyone's like, oh my gosh, how did you do it? And I'm like, I don't know, It's out now. like it was just really crazy of me. That honestly was a mad experience and sometimes I do have to listen to that episode just to remind myself that, you know what, Modelling is not that serious, because when I was on that runway, I was just like, I'm just trying to get from A to B, bitch, I'm not, I'm not trying to like serve diva, I'm just trying not to fall, and it was a humbling experience. Now, speaking of humbling experiences, let's get into episode 9 of this podcast, entitled A Series of Parisian Events. This humbling experience came near the end of this episode, where I talked about being spat on by a scam artist. Hmm, yeah, take a little listen. I was walking home from where is it Luxembourg Gardens, I think. I was going to the place where me and my friends stayed last year because they have a really slay little health food store there that does incredible tofu. And I just wanted to grab some tofu and then I wanted to go home. This person had separate ideas from that. So there was a person sitting on the side of the street with like a instrument. I guess they were like pretending to busk or something, but they had put their like coins, you know, Buskers or whatever, they have like a jar of coins, but they put it in the middle of the street so that people would step on it. And the scam is people would step on it, people would feel bad. They'd either give money or they'd pick the money up and put it in the pot. And then the person would take their wallet when they're like picking up their money. Do you know what I'm saying? I do that. I step on the. Yeah, I do. I fall for the scam. Accidentally, bitch, I was. I was. I had my headphones on. I forget what I was listening to, but I then step on the coins and. I scream, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry." I'm like, pardon, pardon, excusez moi, bless it you know, and it's this child, now he's no older than 14, but he's like making, he's like squaring up to me, and I'm like, sir, you were no more than five foot, like, what are you doing, okay, he comes up to me and he's like, ah, pardon, pardon, he's saying all this shit, right, And immediately I'm like, oh my gosh, I'll give you money. And then I was like, um, no. I see what's going on here. I see what's going on here. So I just turn around and this child's looking up at me. Because bear in mind, I'm like a six foot two person. And he's like, give me money, give me money. And I'm like, girl, no, but in French. And he's like, pick it up, pick it up. And I'm like, oh, he has an attitude. I'm not. Get, there's no way. You know, the absolute no. Like, I'm not picking your shit up. First of all, I know this is a scam. But second of all, I'm not picking it up. Okay, because you're either gonna try and snatch my wallet, or I just I don't want to. Bitch. First of all, I don't want to touch dirty coins at the best of times, especially not if they're on the streets in Paris and I'm fearing they're gonna try and steal my wallet. Don't make me scream right now. So the worst thing about this is that I couldn't really get away because in the heat of the moment, I was trying to get to the health food store to buy my tofu, famously, but I need to cross a road and the red man was signaling for me to not cross the road because the cars were coming No, it's true so i have this five foot child screaming at me saying pick up my coins or give me money english english and i'm like oh christ and i'm like i'm not giving you money literally fuck off like i'm so serious i was like oh you are so annoying right now i just i don't want to do this looking back i should have just like walked in an opposite direction but then like i don't know what like he could have just followed me i don't know you, you think a lot of like things in hindsight so I'm just repeatedly saying like no and he's obviously thinking like shit I'm in my flop era because I thought this person was gonna like give me money or pick up my coins it's backfired onto him I've kicked over his coins and now he has to pick them up but it's all his fault so anyway I'm like no 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 and then he like lightly kicks my leg and I'm like okay sure um and I think at that point he had just given up And then I just kind of look at him and I'm like, you just kick my leg. But like, you didn't kick it hard. You just kind of like tapped it. And I was like, okay, sure. And then I kind of just like stare at him and then he spits at me. "Mm Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Mm mm-hmm, yeah. And yeah, no, that was bad for me. I'm gonna be real. And of course, as soon as he spits, the fucking red man turns green. But those are all of the best moments for this best moments episode. The first installment, I really hope that you enjoyed. If you did, you can let me know by rating the podcast on Spotify. I never really say to rate it and review on other streaming services that you may be listening on, but maybe do that too, I'd appreciate it highly. No, I would, it's true. I'd also appreciate if you went over to my social medias at kit.costello on Instagram and TikTok. Give me a little follow, give me a little like. But other than that, I'm sending you so much love as always, Kit.